Welcome to What Do You Need to Know About God in Today's World. Today, I want to discuss what you need to know about God and loving your enemy. Unfortunately, today our country is in a crisis which is primarily due to the fact that we have abandoned our God and His commandments. So it is no wonder we find ourselves in a place where there is much division and hatred being expressed in our culture today. For starters, Right now, our government is seemingly so divided that it is virtually impossible for them to work cooperatively together. That has been the case for some time. But there have been other recent developments that have further stressed these lines of division and polarization in our nation. So I will begin by recapping these recent events, discussing their divisive nature, and then we'll discuss what God's Word has to say about the state of our current affairs. First, If you recall, in May of last year, our country witnessed an unconscionable event as a police officer deliberately killed a black man, and this set off nationwide protests. And these protests grew as other high-profile incidences involving the shooting of blacks by policemen occurred. Now, it's understandable that people took to the streets in huge numbers to vent their anger and frustration against what they saw as injustices against blacks and minorities. But what started out as what should have been peaceful protests quickly devolved into utter chaos, violence, and anarchy. And for approximately seven months or so, our country experienced extreme violence with huge groups of people daily committing looting, arson, destruction of properties and businesses, vandalism, destruction of federal property and monuments, killing and attacking of innocent people and the police, policemen being injured by the thousands having dangerous projectiles hurled at them and being deliberately ambushed and shot and killed. We witnessed federal buildings and states being besieged and taken over by violent protesters and mobs, whole blocks of cities being abandoned by the government authorities and taken over by mobs as well for weeks, and major highways shut down and much more mayhem. Now, our Constitution allows for peaceful protests against what we deem as injustices. But the violence, killing, terrorizing of neighborhoods, and destruction of property and utter lawlessness is inexcusable. And these actions should have been immediately condemned by everyone, especially our elected officials. And those who engaged should have been prosecuted to the fullest extent. Yet, after almost 30 killings, and an astronomical financial cost of about $2 billion in destruction of government and private properties, and the ruin of cities, which may never recover, a fraction, if any of those individuals involved in the seven-month rampage last year are in jail or were ever punished. Instead, those on the left, including our high-ranking political officials, urged and incited them to keep up all the unrest in the streets, and they bailed them out of jail if and when they were ever arrested. There was no condemnation of this violence by any one of those high-ranking officials, except by the president who offered to send the National Guard to help these cities quell the violence, but those city officials declined the help and allowed innocent residents and citizens to be continually harassed and terrorized by the perpetrators for many months. 
Therefore, in effect, extreme violence was normalized by the left for a prolonged period of time where thousands were injured, approximately 30 lives were lost, billions of dollars worth of property were destroyed, and cities and their citizens are still to this day reeling from those effects. In other words, those on the left said, go ahead, destroy, create havoc and mayhem, because as long as your disruptive, violent behavior supports our ideology and cause, nothing will happen to you. There will be no repercussions, and we will come to your defense. So rather than condemning this violence, halting it from its very inception, and requiring perpetrators to be prosecuted and punished for their acts of violence, the left instead allowed this violence to reign unchecked and permitted this pandemonium to persist for months. Now, let's compare these facts with another recent event. On January the 6th, hundreds of thousands of people, Trump supporters who had witnessed what they considered to be a stolen election riddled with fraud. They also witnessed a refusal by government agencies and court systems to investigate or even hear compile evidence and affidavits, and who threw out cases based on technicalities versus merit. This group of people felt in essence they were being told to shut up because no one cares about you or your evidence. We don't want it to get out in the public, and we're going to label it as conspiracy theory. So Trump supporters, in their anger and frustration, took to the streets and gathered in D.C. to protest. At the protest, unfortunately, violence did erupt on this occasion as well. But out of the massive amount of hundreds of thousands of people, one lawless group does storm the Capitol, which was poorly barricaded. Now, not all of these people stormed in. There is video footage showing that some of them were simply allowed in. And it has also been reported that additional reinforcement of National Guards was offered on that day, but for some reason was declined by the Capitol Police and those in charge of security. The investigation of what occurred on that day is ongoing and much more will be revealed in time. But unfortunately, again, with this lax security, the breach in the Capitol was inevitable and there was severe violence with at least five deaths, several wounded and destruction to the Capitol building itself. This was another very tragic event for our country and needless to say, we mourn the loss of life and bemoan all the destruction that occurred on that day, just as we mourn the loss of life and destruction over the seven months of the BLM Antifa riots. Because here is the bottom line. There is no excuse for this type of behavior, no matter who commits it, those on the left or those on the right. For we must never allow our frustrations to evolve and erupt into violence. With that being said, I must point out here that there is a stark contrast to the aftermath of this event versus the aftermath of the violence that occurred last summer. And it reveals the colossal hypocrisy of those on the left. You see, Democratic politicians and those on the left are now swift to condemn this violence and call for the persecution and prosecution of the group of Trump supporters while for several months they condoned, encouraged, incited, refused to prosecute, and even bailed out the mobs involved during last year's daily violence. The outrage they are displaying now 
They should have displayed then, and they should have been just as swift in condemning and punishing those people as they are extremely determined to punish those who were involved in the violence in the capital, but they are not. Instead, the left has begun demonizing all of Trump's supporters. Now, let's be clear. There are reports that some of these people were not all Trump supporters, but agitators who were there deliberately trying to stir up trouble. But what is highly disturbing is that the media, the Democrat politicians, and big tech are all now adding insult to injury by making no distinction between the hundreds of thousands of peaceful demonstrators at the protest march versus the minority group that perpetrated the violence on the Capitol. Yet if you recall, the media went out of their way to emphatically characterize last year's violent protests as mostly peaceful, but they ignored this massive group of peaceful Trump supporters, and now they are hypocritically labeling all of them as insurrectionists, domestic terrorists, seditionists, racist white supremacists, with no distinction. And they are advocating and employing the full weight of law enforcement to crush and prosecute them when they did the total opposite last year. Right now, all of Trump's supporters are being maligned, called a cult, ostracized, spoken about with contempt and disdain by others. And some are calling for purging, cleansing, and re-educating these people. The vitriol towards them is quite reminiscent of rhetoric from Nazi Germany or Communist China. And it is their hatred of Trump and his supporters and their desire to destroy these people that is driving the madness of the left, even to the extent of calling this incident an insurrection and an overthrow of democracy. Yet they are quite aware that this entire protest was not an insurrection or overthrowing of democracy, but about a group of people attempting to get their voices heard by Congress regarding their legitimate concern over what they believe was a stolen election, and to determine the truth about whether or not this was a fair, honest, legitimate presidential election. Yet they insist on calling it an insurrection and go so far as to claim that the president incited the violence when they know such claims are specious. If you listen objectively and carefully to the president's speech, you will find no rhetoric inciting violence or insurrection. He simply asked the people to peacefully and patriotically go to the Capitol and cheer on those who were objecting to the chosen electors. Now, anecdotally, the Democratic Party themselves in 2016 undertook the same measures when they objected to the chosen electors when Trump won the presidency. At that time, no one on the opposite side referred to them as insurrectionists or alleged that they were attempting to overthrow the democracy. But once again, their hypocrisy is glaring and appalling. They persist in labeling what occurred in insurrection simply because they want the harshest punishment available for Trump and his supporters. In their all-out assault and war on Trump and his supporters, they are seeking impeachment of the president and are creating blacklists of anyone affiliated with supporting or even defending Trump. 
They are calling for banning, censoring, canceling, deplatforming, removing people out of their jobs and political offices, and disbarring them, and demanding anyone associated with Trump and his supporters to sever all connections and ties, especially financial ties, because their design is to decimate and destroy these people and their ability to make a living with the intent to bring about their total demise. They are treating their political opponents and the Trump supporters as heinous, wicked, violent criminals and are seeking to demolish, dehumanize, crush them, and drive them and anyone affiliated with them to ignominy and poverty until they have nothing. They present themselves as having some high moral ground as they seek to annihilate their political opponents and anyone with dissenting opinions and views. But these people on the left, including the media and big tech, along with the Democrats, are using Gestapo tactics to say to all of us, you must conform to our way or be punished and crushed if you do or say anything we disagree with or dislike. They are creating a very hostile environment to freedom of speech and liberty. But we the people have a right to demand a fair and honest election, which we all should want. And that is what this protest was about. And if you're looking to point blame at who was responsible for the violence that day, then we as a country must learn that every individual is responsible for their own acts and deeds. So the blame lies primarily on the perpetrators who committed those acts. But furthermore, we the people have a right to be able to have discourse, debate, and difference of opinions voiced. But the left objects to these fundamental constitutional ideals and wants to silence us, suppress our speech through these tactics, and now to completely destroy any and all who disagree with them. And they conduct themselves with this gangster-style intimidation, which is hostile and evil, and sets a dangerous precedence to our liberties and to our country. This type of animosity and hatred for our fellow man, such that we desire their destruction simply because they hold a different opinion or political position, is a sign that we are drifting further and further away from God and our divide is deepening. Now, I think I have accurately summed up what's happening in our nation today, and it is abhorrent. As we can see, the divide is very deep. And we should all be appalled at what is transpiring before us. No country can survive with this deep division and hatred. So now I want to discuss how we can resolve this division problem and try to bring healing to our land. But this can only occur if we have a right relationship first with God and then with our fellow man. If we are to have a healthy, united, prosperous nation, we must first recognize God as supreme, revere him, and obey every command that comes out of his mouth. And he has much to say about how we are to relate to one another as individuals and human beings. First of all, God says in Matthew seven twelve, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, be empathetic and pe treat people the way you want to be treated. If you want people to be courteous and kind to you, then be courteous and kind to them. 
On the other hand, if you don't want anyone harming or inflicting injury upon you or maligning you, then refuse to commit such acts against them. And as far as what is going on today, if you don't want anyone advocating your total demise and stripping you of your ability to make a living, then refrain from doing this to others. Try to take an honest approach to every situation in dealing with others and give people the benefit of the doubt without rushing to judgment before all evidence is reviewed and weighed. If someone has committed a crime in any way, then that's why we have courts. But this mob mentality to destroy your opponents is ungodly. Instead, be compassionate and understanding towards your fellow man as you desire them to render the same type of behavior towards you. Second, God tells us to love our fellow man as we love ourselves. Normally, None of us verbally assault or inflict bodily harm upon ourselves. We seek what is good for our benefit and what is for our good. And God says, treat your fellow man exactly the same way and do not seek his destruction. Therefore, that same love that you express for yourself that causes you to build yourself up and to protect and preserve your own well-being, you are to display that same type of affection for your fellow man. Third, God says in Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who despitefully use you. That's right. We are even commanded to love, do good, and hold no ill will even toward those who we might consider to be our enemy. That's because we are to allow God to deal with the misdeeds of others. For God himself will chastise every man for his own wrongdoing. Colossians 3.25 says, Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no respect of persons. God says, No one is going to escape punishment for their wrongdoing. Therefore, treat others as you want to be treated. Love others as you love yourself and bless and pray for your enemies. For this is God's standard for how we as individuals are to relate to our fellow man. In other words, there is no room for hatred of another person where God is concerned because God is a God of love. Now, these words are written to us as individuals and not to the government per se. Because the role of government as a whole is to protect and preserve the freedoms of the people. But God does expect everyone, including those who hold government positions, to conduct themselves in such a godly manner. And if we apply these commandments, then we would not witness the type of vitriol and hatred we see espoused today throughout our political environment and culture. And it is imperative that we immediately change our course and began to comply with God's word because our country is headed for destruction. As Jesus said in Matthew 12, 25, a divided house cannot stand. You see, God is not about taking sides. God is not on the side of the Democrats and the left or the Republicans and the right. God is a God of justice and of what is true, honest, right, and of pure motive. And he expects us as humans to operate the same way. 
Therefore, we must begin to operate in the spirit of love and compassion toward our fellow man. Why? Finally, because God wants us to know that we are all in a spiritual battle between good and evil and God and Satan. Ephesians 6.12 says, We don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. Your adversary is not your fellow man, but an invisible diabolical enemy who is Satan and his demons, who seeks the destruction of all humanity. And whenever there is contention, division, arguments, conflict, hate, destruction, etc., it is a demonic spirit at work trying to cause chaos and wreak havoc in our personal lives, relationships, and world. This is why God admonishes us to love, edify, pray for, forgive, and seek the good of all men and not demonize them. For Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows is what he shall reap. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to the Spirit of God from the Spirit, he will reap eternal life. So as the spiritual battle is raging around us, I pray for the spirit of reconciliation, peace, unity, and unconditional agape love of Christ that loves us regardless to who we are, to what we have done, good or bad, and that always desires our good, and that sacrificed his life for us, be dispersed throughout the entire human race and saturate every callous, thorny heart and convert it to the heart of Christ. He who have an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord says. This type of love cannot be self-manufactured. So receive Christ and his Holy Spirit today that you might experience and employ this type of love toward your fellow man and that you may be delivered from the power, dominion, and kingdom of Satan and translated into the kingdom of Yeshua, God's dear Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen.